Welcome to my Soul Life podcast. This is my playground and I'm your host, Susan Scollin. I believe that we can live a life we love every day. To do this, we have to go on a journey to uncover who we are on every layer. Join me each Monday for conversations about following our soul's calling and embodying what lights us up so we can become even more amazing people. And then later in the week, I'll be back with our Soul Life conversations where we open up and explore who we truly are to become authentically us. Be inspired. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Today I'm chatting with Dr. Nita Bushan. Nita's an incredibly resilient, kind and vibrant woman who, and you'll hear it in her voice, lit up our chat. She gives us tangible tools that we can use to reconnect with ourselves so that we can light up the rooms we want to walk into. Dr. Nita Bushan is a cosmetic dentist turned three times international best-selling author and world-renowned emotional health advocate. She's also the founder of the Global Grit Institute, a wellness education platform for optimizing well-being, and co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest version of themselves. Nita has shared her thought leadership on grit and resilience on international stages and as the host of her popular podcast, The Brave Table. After realizing how trapped she felt running a million-dollar dental practice that she built, Nita embarked on a journey that led her across 45 countries as she researched blending the intersection of human behavior, ancient wisdom, Eastern philosophies, and therapeutic psychology. That knowledge, along with other life experiences of overcoming multiple adversities, which includes being orphaned at a young age, surviving an abusive marriage, and extensive loss, contributed to the powerful message of resilience that she shares in her latest book, That Sucked, Now What? Nita's a mother of two and currently lives in Austin, Texas, with her husband and children. This is another episode where you want to take notes and you'll also agree with a lot of her stories because they'll resonate with yours. And also jump over to that sucked now what.com to get her book prior to 31 Jan 2023 and pick up her incredible bonuses as well. Nita and I would love to hear what you took away from this episode. So head over to my website, susanscollin.com or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast and tell us. And you can reach out to Nita via the show notes for this episode on my website too. See you inside. Welcome, Nita. It's so lovely to have this conversation with you. I'm really excited to dive in today. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. Yeah, fabulous. So I love by starting to ask my guests, what's one thing that's bringing you the most joy at the moment? Oh, yes. This I love. Love this question. Mm, Being able to express myself fully and Mm. really having the bravery to uh, you know, share and speak my truth unapologetically without feeling that I am um, having to please or, uh, you know, the people pleasing that normally I would tend to do. So leaning into activating my voice um, wholeheartedly in this season. Yeah, that's a fabulous thing for us all to do. I don't think that we're doing <laughs> enough of it, really. We kind of get stuck in life, don't we? 
I, I think so. I think it's, you know, and, and it's trying to keep everybody happy because as yeah. a mom, that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, and I think even, uh, even speaking your truth and, and setting the boundaries with our children, um, and, and they're going to push back and resist and, and that's okay because they are allowed to express too, and it has nothing to do with you. And I, and I think we have to remember that. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big yeah. lesson to learn, isn't it? Is that something that you've had to address along your journey? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, I think that, um, you know, with kid number one, my, my, my four-year-old, when it was just him, I could see myself, uh, especially around the twos. And, and honestly, it, it's this, it was really around when he turned two that, that gave birth to the impetus of what this next book journey and even the vision of it would look like because I was just in it so much with all of the feels. And, you know, you start kind of going like, ooh, I've, I'm recalling my parents in this and I don't want to bring that. I'm not going to pass that down. Yeah. But then you kind of are already. And so you have to reconcile with whatever you've already done, but then also say, okay, this is a moment of, of, of learning. And this is a moment of, well, you can change at every single because that too, you know, they give you many opportunities to change and shift and, and correct yourself. Yeah. And, and so that was just, that was, the, that was the learning. And I think before I would actively, uh, you know, like judge myself um, and or, uh, you know, critique myself if, if, it, if it was in a certain way or try to pacify my two-year-old where, I'm like, I'm not actually helping him build resilience, even though I like talk about resiliency and grit to adults. And I'm like, okay, there's something here. Like, what am I not okay with in the discomfort of the experience of saying no, that's still coming up because I, I've, I've been okay to kind of say no to adults and be okay with, uh, the disappointment on the other side but not with my kid, mm. even though it's like healthy boundaries. No, I'm not going to have you put a screen on in the morning. Um, no, you're not going to go outside. You know, we were in Chicago one year without a jacket. It was so cold. Um, stuff like that. No, you're not going to eat, you know, candy for breakfast. And although then, you know, it's like a full meltdown at two. <laughs> at four, it's different. There's still a meltdown, not as long, and you're actually okay. Uh, but that those are like the, those are the the tough, yeah, the tough times of like, okay, I'm actually not okay with him crying. I'm actually getting embarrassed at myself if I allow him to cry in the middle of a grocery store or, you know, I'm, I'm at like a, uh, like a wellness event and there's like breathe, you know, breath work and meditation and I have a kid crying and I'm like, oh, that's the worst. Cause everyone's in wellness and you know, you're supposed to have these like perfect kids and you're like, well, actually <laughs> I'm the one that has the issue with it. Nobody else is having the issue. And if they do, well, that's something different, but I should not have the issue. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been such a beautiful journey. And it is a journey and kids are such a great opportunity for us to grow. Like we can push back as much as we like, but they really do test, like push our boundaries for us to grow. It's not because, yeah, they're acting out on one one hand, but the other part is the what's going on for me here. And that's where parents get stuck, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think that for so many of us, we think because, especially if you're, you're open to doing your own work and self-reflect and, 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 and if you're not, and you're kind of like, okay, well, this is happening. And then we go into the victim mode of like, this is happening to me. Why? But I think it's, it, it is that opportunity if we're open to it to yeah. then, you know, dive in and do the learning. Yeah, yeah. And the growing and maybe even the unlearning. (laughs) And there's lots of unlearning. You've already touched on a couple of those points around, you know, parenting how our parents would parent, had parented us and then remembering back to when, how it felt to us and how it didn't feel good to us. And so changing those stories as we go. But can you share with us, you've already mentioned your book and you've written another incredible book. Congratulations. That's a huge achievement. Thank (laughs) you. To get to that point of writing that book, what are some of the journeys that you had to go on? What is, can you share a couple of those to get to this wow. point? Yes. <laughs> so, gosh, um, losing myself, uh, losing my identity um, as, you know, a first-time mom, even a second-time mom, um, I guess even more so as a second-time mom, <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, the the journey of reclaiming yourself as uh you know a sovereign or a, a a woman that has her own desires her own passions her own identity outside of motherhood and i think um i think that was such a big shift for me that i needed to say okay i really want to write this book Yet I want to do it on my own time mm-hmm. and not the time of my publishers, not the time of, um, you know, what was convenient. I wanted to do it in my own, like what felt good for me. And that gave me the uh, immense amount of freedom because going to your point about joy, if it wasn't going to be fun, then why would I do it? Like, you know, I, I think some moms would think would think I'm crazy. I know a lot of my girlfriends thought I was crazy because this book, I sold this book to my publisher, I think two days, it's two days after my daughter Isla was born, my second. Oh. And it was insane. And initially they gave me six months to write the book. So that would mean I'd have a newborn and a book baby all at the same time. I'm like, do they not? They're like, yeah, six months is okay for you to write the book. I'm like, um, so I just gave birth and <laughs> I kind of uh, have to feed newborn and I kind of have to nurse and maybe I can talk the book out, but I don't even know if I'm going to actually like be there, <laughs> you know, in all of the physicalities and the, 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 you know, the things involved. And so that meant really you know, being unapologetic with my boundaries of, of sharing, well, this is, I can't do this because most people would think, oh, wow, this is a great opportunity. You know, you'd acquiesce to, to the demands and you wouldn't speak up. You wouldn't share what feels right for you. And I think for myself, I had to, um, swallow the, you know, the, the pride of being the good girl or the, obedient one and trying to make all the deadlines and say, actually, no, that's not going to work. Uh, don't know if you have had a baby before, but uh, there's 
there's a break involved. And at least for my own mental capacity, I wouldn't be able to do it. And just saying it matter of fact, you know, without any fears, because, you know, some people would then fear like, oh, will they say something? And it was fine. It was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You want, you just had a baby. Yeah. Why would you, why would this be done in six months? I'm like, oh yeah, that, thank you. (laughs) Um, and so, so I think that was, uh, you know, one of the biggest things in trusting my own voice there as well. And, and letting go of, uh, you know, sometimes we make stories about things in my own head. I could have had many stories in my head made up about that one particular situation. And leaning into, you know, what feels good and mm-hmm. what I was able to do instead of in the past, previous Nita and in other generations, you know, in, in previous decades, would be like, absolutely, I'll get it done. I'll get it done for you in four months and try to kill myself doing it just so that I can succeed and, you know, get the gold and, and get the validation and, and get the good marks. And, and, but who, who am I trying to prove anymore? Like they already bought the book. They really liked what I had to say. Yeah. So then own it. You know, and, and, and don't be afraid of the disappointment. I think that's the biggest thing. So, so you asked about, um, the, the, and I think those things were like huge in even writing this book. And, and, and we pushed the deadline quite a few times actually, because, you know, then I thought, oh, well, the six months still not going to be enough. Or, you know, we just going back and forth because you just, don't know, but what I really loved about the whole journey was um, that this was kind of, I felt like a co-creation between my daughter and what was coming up in that space, in that moment, like real time in our household, which is why the subtitle is called, you know, Embrace and Find Magic in the Mess, because it was magically messy every single day. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it was such a unlearning process as well. Yeah. Thank you for reflecting back that it was actually a co-creation with your daughter and that, that almost through birthing her birthed a new version of you. And then it was getting to know who that new version is. And you said before around your identity, like, yes, we lose our identity as a mum. And then that's a, for some people, some people are, are great and they're often running, running and they're having a fantastic time with their firstborn. But then adding a second, second baby into the mix can be really challenging for a lot of parents out there and a lot of mums and you deeper in everything. Like it's two layers and it's at different levels because you're a different person, but so is your firstborn and then your secondborn comes through and they're going to be a different personality to the first. And then you, you're adopting and evolving as you go. So thinking about that messy part, messy middle, all of that in in the growth of that book, tell us a little bit more about how that evolved because I imagine there are many stories that came into that that space and that space of growth. <laughs> oh wow. Yes. So so honestly the book is comprised of three parts, right? And you know, mm-hmm. that sucked and now what? And I think the whole idea of me even having such a bold title like that um, was the idea that I wanted something that, you know, people, moms, women could connect to of like this universal statement of like, that sucked. Now what? And it's not bypassing by any means, but it's actually acknowledging the suckiness of the part that actually didn't go well. So that sucked of like acknowledging, saying it, stating it out loud, 
embracing it, feeling it, and then going into that second part, which is the now what? Okay, now what? Like, how long are we going to sit in this for? And there are embodiment practices inside of the book, emotional release practices, to really get us in that modality of feeling. Because I think a lot of times, especially how we were raised or, you know, kind of our upbringing. And I talk about, there's, you know, the three parts in the book. The first part is how do we reconcile with our, our bounce factor? And what does that actually mean to build resiliency? And it's not being tough by the way. Uh, and so, and then, uh, part two is this, methodology that I call after you are going through some really tough times, how to fly forward through those times in your life. And I needed to have a framework. And I think that, and because I was, you know, trained in psychology, I I did, you know, sciences, I was a dentist beforehand. And so I, I needed something to grasp onto and, and so that's kind of how the book is divided. And the first part is really understanding, well, why is it hard for us many times to acknowledge our feelings, to really be honest and open and vulnerable with some of those things um, that we kind of keep in the closet or that we kind of are too ashamed or too uh, guilty to even say or experience And so, and, and, and yeah, and so the, you know, the first part of the, the bounce factor is really all about understanding the four different parts and the four different parts is, you know, the first part is, is reconciling your upbringing. Like, how did you grow up? Was it okay to share your feelings at the dinner table? Were you as a woman, you know, were there gender nuances because your brothers were able to do other things and you weren't? Were you able to be, you know, getting in the dirt with everyone else in your family? Or like for myself, I played the piano when I was younger, but my piano teacher never got mad at my, I had two younger brothers. She never got mad at my younger brothers for playing in the dirt and getting like dirt underneath her fing- their fingernails. But for me, it was like the end of the world. I was like, <laughs> why am I getting in trouble for this? And they could do no wrong, right? And so that's just an example of, then the training and the wiring, then we think, okay, I can't get dirty. I can't, I can't play in the dirt, right? Like, so, so then our resiliency or how our perspective is that relation to those things that then change. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's a big one. Um, or a couple of things I was like reflecting in my own mind about my upbringing and the things, you know, we don't talk about our family, our feelings. It was, You've got to have broad shoulders to be in this family. And then it's mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, the boys were, didn't, weren't asked to come up and clear up or set the table or any of that. The girls were asked to do that. And it's just really interesting, like, those nuances. And at the time I remember us calling that out and going, hang on a minute, they get to sit over there and watch TV and we have to come up here. What's going on? But it was just, will you just get on with things? And you're like, hang on a minute, yeah. this isn't working. And that's where especially when you become a mum, if we haven't been, and this isn't a, you know, dig at anybody, but if we, and I hadn't done the work prior to becoming a mum. So of course, when I become a mum, everything gets thrown at me. It's like all the stuff comes. Yeah. And then you've got to figure your way out of that sort of space. 
So what are some of the tools that women can use to get themselves out of that space through, you know, through what you're sharing in your book? Yeah. So I think that, you know, so many times we just, you know, and then this is a concept inside of the book, but we are not exposing ourselves to good stress. You know, I think in the last few years, uh, you know, even with how the pandemic shut the world down, we got okay with, you know, buying everything on our phones, not having to interact with the world, not having to step foot outside of our house if we didn't want to. And so this level of complacency, and I'm in that level myself. Like I used to do calls just with, you know, my pajama pants on, my fuzzy socks, and I could put a cool shirt on and, you know, a hat didn't even have to comb my hair (laughs) most days, just, and, and turn on the Zoom and, and we're good. We're, we're good. And that's pretty much what a lot of us did and how we managed. But the thing there is we lost our sense of being able to be with somebody face-to-face and mm-hmm. actually introduce ourselves to uh, a community of, of of women at a birthday party that don't really know each other, but maybe introduce yourself and say, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, let me tell you a little bit about me or, or how do you know everybody? You know, we lost that sense of actually taking initiative and putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions because we were okay with the complacency of being in our homes because of course we had to. But I think that if our mindset is in that way and if we're stuck there, then the way out would be the opposite. The way out is to what I call expose yourself to good stress. And that's part two of increasing your bounce factor. So part one is your upbringing. Part two is your exposure to good stress. And what I mean by good stress, I'm not saying like, you know, you might be thinking, wow, Nita, you really like stress, anxiety? Like, No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, there are studies that show good amounts of stress is actually healthy for us to, you know, rewire parts of our brain, to build you know, dopamine and to, to repattern some of the areas in our brain that's been stagnant and complacent for a while. So when we actually act as a beginner at doing things, beginner, so inviting good stress, meaning that you might fail at some of these things, or you might not be the best at it, like reaching out to put a friends group together or reaching out to do a book club and talk about, you know, that sucked, now what? Or whatever you wish to do, there's going to be a level of of maybe resistance from other friends. There's going to be a level of rejection from other friends. Put yourself out there. It's in the same token of, well, you want to start that side hustle or you want to start that hobby for yourself or you want to start doing more self-care, but you're saying it, but then you're not even taking the time to maybe take out a full calendar. That would mean buying a calendar or a planner uh, and then literally blocking out those days in your calendar for self-care and, and, and to actually block it out and block it out on your, you know, your Gmail so that no one's bothering you during that time. So you actually have created the space. That's a good stress. So uh, being okay with the discomfort and taking the extra time to plan. These are all examples of good stress. Another example of good stress could be, you know, uh, confronting a friend that maybe keeps 
blowing you off or keeps ghosting you or keep saying, yeah, I really want to hang out. And then you're almost about to hang out. But again, another thing happened with the kids. Again, something else happened in their life. Again, and you feel like this is like the fourth or fifth time and you want to say something, but you're like, don't want to rock the boat. No, maybe something else has happened. But that could be, you know, an invitation to say, hey, I really value our relationship. And I've just noticed that the last four or five times I've invited you, you know, what is going on? Is everything okay? I really want to, I want to, I really want to deeply connect with you. And and I feel like there's something that's stopping us. Like, how can we move through this? So the idea of having that vulnerability of sharing your feelings about something that's happened. Now, I'm not saying we have to emotionally dump on somebody and I'm not saying we have to attack someone. Um, if you're worried about attacking somebody, then I would definitely write it all down in a piece of paper because then it's coming from pent up feelings of resentment and past hurts. And we don't want to do that. There's a way to do that. And that's actually in my book about how to have a difficult conversation. But I'm just saying come from it as from a place of love and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so that again is a level of good stress to be exposed to. Yeah. And I like the way that you put that. It's it's having that conversation with that person, being upfront, hey, and saying there's something that's blocking us, like outside of us. It's not saying that they've done anything wrong or that you've done anything wrong. It's just it's almost like saying there's some sort of universal force that's happening. What can we do to clear that? And how can oh. we connect back together? That's it's so sweet because you're not, you know, for those who are extra sensitive or they get defensive. Yeah you're not saying it's about them. You're saying that about the container. And so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's less of a blow. I I love that so much, Susan. Yeah. Beautiful. And so what are the other two parts to the bounce factor then? So we've got the family and we've got the good stress. What are those other two parts? Yeah. So other, the other uh, two parts is, so the, so part number three is your emotional capacity to feel. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to, well, how are you in relation to your emotional health? Are you one that shoves everything under a rug? Because most people, if something bad happens or something unexpected happens, they they shove it under a rug, they bury it, they say, "I'm fine, I'm fine, it's good, it's 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 no problem, it's no it's no worries." Um, but then they act passive aggressively. They get resentful. And uh, it's not good for anyone because nobody wants a friend who's passive aggressive. Nobody wants that kind of energy there, right? And so uh, and so I, the, the idea is, is can you experience the emotions, which is why I keep saying, can you find the joy in chaos, right? You know, I think many times things can be chaotic. Can you find the joy in it? Can you find the magic in the mess? But can you appreciate both? And mm-hmm. I think as an there's there's no way you cannot do that because it's in your face every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the milk will spill on the table. Somebody cracked something, you know, and and it's why it, it, it has given rise to, all right, here's where we are. I can't change any of it. And then they go to sleep. And what are we doing? We're on our phones looking at the photos that we took of them of the day. And my yeah. husband has told me, he's like, what? I thought, I thought you needed a break. 
why why are you looking fo- at photos of them? I thought they, you know, I thought that you had a really rough day with them. And I'm like, yeah, I did. But this is like the universal truth of moms. It's like, you're going to look at photos of your kids when you're sleep when they're sleeping, yeah. even though you might've had the hardest day. That is the paradox of emotions. That's the paradox of the ability to actually embrace the duality of both emotions. There's a meme in my book and actually it's a full graphic in my book around, you know, you actually can, uh, embrace the, you know, the, the sadness, the hard times, but also you can embrace the love and yeah. the joy. And, you know, even if you are, uh, trying something new for the first time or maybe getting back out there after having children, re, claiming yourself or re, uh, finding your, your new identity, you may feel a little sense of perhaps, uh, reservedness because you're like, there's so much uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen, but then there's parts of you that are curious. So that's what I mean by allowing yourself to feel. And then the last part of that is your radical self-awareness, your RSA. And your RSA looks something like, knowing what is good for you and and knowing what is not good for you and saying no to those things right and i think you know if it, it depends on if you are or have tendencies of being a people pleaser then you might be swayed into the needs of others because you are very much in tune with okay i want to I want to make everybody happy. I'm going to make everybody happy. It might not feel good to say yes to another play date or another thing on my schedule, but I'm going to do it anyways because I always deliver. I always show up. I'm always loyal. Yet if you're leaning into your RSA, your radical self-awareness, you're thinking, oh, wow, I am really depleted right now. I don't think I've done anything for my self-care at all this week. So I'm actually going to go to this, that, and this, and then we'll reconvene for next week and not even care, (laughs) not have to justify it to the world. That is really owning your RSA. And most of us, especially people pleasers, are, it's very tough to do that. But when we are in alignment with our RSA, we then know, oh, okay, okay, this is no longer right for me. This friendship is no longer right for me. Uh, and then we're, e- we're able to make decisions from a place of, is it filling me up or is it depleting me? Yeah. Yeah. Such an important point because we can get lost in, like we talked about earlier, everything that goes on in life. But And if we're cont- constantly people-pleasing everybody else, we're not people-pleasing ourselves. And that can be really challenging and debilitating for ourselves. Yeah. So tell us what's the fourth point then of the bounce factor. Now we've got the top three, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. We so well, no. yeah, we so I, <laughs> I know. Let's let's recap for those that are listening. So bounce factor is four parts. The first part is your upbringing. So it's really making peace with uh you know, with with your family, with the way that you were born and raised, with the way that you uh, were we're taught, you know, gender nuances, cultural nuances, uh, religious nuances, uh, in the way that you were born and raised and brought up, right? Were you from a 
culture that celebrated and appreciated your voice to be heard? Or were you from a culture that, you know, you weren't allowed to talk back to your elders, like in my culture, right? You're not able to say your opinion. God forbid you had one. Um, so that's, that's really your upbringing and the way that it could be very detrimental is then we are seeking constant external validation or we're, you know, many times minimizing our own light. Uh, and so, uh, and so research has, has kind of even shown, you know, the, the, the folks who maybe even had to grow up because they had to grow up early for having, you know, had losses, divorce. And I know myself, I grew up as a child caretaker at 10 years old. My parents died of cancer, you know, and I had a brother who died of an asthma attack. This is all before 19. So I know that my bounce factor definitely had me like in survival mode. And that was a normal, like that, that was just normalized for me in, in, in my nervous system was like constantly dysregulated. And I think chaos was normalized because that I was in such survival mode during my early years of life. And, and then there are some folks who have been raised with helicopter parents who, you know, would call into the school and say, you know, Jimmy's not going to be able to do his homework today or tomorrow or turn it in next month or next week because he's just been having a really tough time. So, you know, again, very different upbringing, very different bounce factor, nothing good or bad. It's just very different, right? Yet, how can we, so we can't change our past. We can make peace with it. But then the second, third, and fourth parts, so your emotional capacity, your exposure to good stress, and your RSA, Mm. your radical self-awareness, those things can be activated. Those things can be learned. Those things can be built as a muscle to retrain and perhaps maybe unlearn to actually help increase your bounce factor. Yeah. Incredible. Well, let it tell us how can people get access to your book? Like when does it come out? All of that sort of stuff. Tell me. Yes. So it drops January 31st, but I have incredible bonuses if you pre-order now and uh, you can get it at thatsuckednowwhat.com. And for those of you who are, you know, super curious, there is also a five-day healing practice when you get the book. And we start with, guess what? Day one is all about healing our relationships And then we go all the way into calling it abundance, taking brave and courageous action on day four, as well as on day five, putting it all together and coming back to self. And then I have this 40-page beautiful uh, guidebook that accompanies the book for free that taps you into all of these journal prompts to get us into that mode of healing. And that also comes for free when you actually pre-order the book. And those pre-orders are valid until uh, January 31st. Oh, that's incredible. Well, congratulations again on the book. I'm excited to dive in and order it myself and have a read because we can always learn something new, can't we? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think, (laughs) and I think it's always better in, you know, in groups. And if you are one of those that are really wanting to call in better and deeper friendships, you know, when you buy more than three copies of the book, it's actually three copies of the book for yourself, for your girlfriend, for another friend, you basically get 
fourth and fifth bonuses, which is my self-care calendar. It's 12 months. It unlocks all of these incredible recipes. I'm having a, a chai tonic right now as we speak, and I have one of those in the book among many with rituals and practices every month. And you also unlock uh, a 16-page girlfriend's guidebook. So basically how to create your soul support posse. Yeah. And this is two-hour containers. It's the entire um, way of how to actually build relationships with authenticity. So it's really so juicy. Wow. That's incredible. That, that suck now what.com. Yeah. yeah thanks. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Nita. This has been an amazing time to spend with you. Thank you for sharing everything about your book and I'm so excited for its release and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, love. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.